Good morning. Today is Monday, May 9th, 2022. Last Thursday, I shared with you a famous narrative from the Talmud. It's a passage of the Gemara at the end of Masechta Makos. And I want to revisit that narrative for a different reason this morning. So the Gemara tells the following story about Rabbi Akiva and several other rabbis, his colleagues. And remember, they lived just after the Chorban Bayashani, the destruction of the Second Temple, a little about 2,000 years ago, a little under 2,000 years ago. So they lived in the aftermath of that, after the Romans had destroyed the Second Besamikdash. And they were walking through the ruins of Jerusalem. It had been destroyed. So they're walking through the ruins and they came to the place where the Beis Hamikdash, the holy temple in Jerusalem, used to stand. And the other rabbis who were there, they started to cry. And Rabbi Akiva laughed. So the other rabbi said to him, Akiva, why are you laughing? And he said to them, why are you crying? And they said to him, well, it's obvious why we're crying. This is the place that is the holiest spot in the entire earth, the place of the base of Migdash, and now it's destroyed, it's in ruins. We're crying, obviously. And Rabbi Akiva said to them, that's the reason that I'm laughing. Because I remember that there are two prophecies that we have. One was a prophecy that Yerushalayim, the Beis Hamidrash, will be destroyed. And there was a second prophecy that the Beis Hamidrash will be rebuilt and Jerusalem will be rebuilt. So before either of them happened, I didn't know. It's a prophecy. Who knows what's going to happen? Once I see fulfilled the first prophecy, I know with certainty, just like the first prophecy is fulfilled, the second prophecy will be fulfilled. And so I'm laughing because I'm reminding myself of the second prophecy that this is going to be rebuilt. Okay. And if you remember from last Thursday, what I shared with you was from Rabbi Yehuda Amital concerning which posuk, which verse Rabbi Akiva was referring to in that second prophecy. And that was a very important lesson that I shared that I learned from Rav Amital about Yom Ma'ut about Israel today. That was last Thursday. There is another fundamental lesson from this narrative. It's more straightforward. And it's a lesson every one of us can take and utilize from this passage. So let me start by telling you an amazing story. So this story I heard from Dr. David Pelkovitz. I've shared with you before different um, insights and stories Dr. Pelkovitz has told. And Dr. Pelkowitz is a, a psychologist and a professor of psychology and a well-known author and speaker. If you ever have the chance to hear Dr. Pelkowitz speak, run, because he is a wonderful, fantastic speaker. It's always insightful. He's an amazing person. So he told the following story, and it's an incredible story that happened several years ago when he was invited to be the scholar-in-residence at a certain shul, a synagogue in New Jersey, on a Shabbos. He was a scholar-in-residence. And at, on that Shabbos, in that shul, 
there were about 400 people who were there for his lecture, which was just after davening. After davening, he was asked to give this talk, and uh, the title of his talk was How to Raise Your Child to Be a Mensch. Okay, very important topic, and one that Dr. Pelkovich is certainly uh, expert to be able to share insights. Okay, so he's speaking at this shul, Shabbos, during this lecture, 400 people are in the room, and in the back of the room, there is a baby who is crying. Crying loudly. And it's annoying. People are trying to listen to the lecture. 400 people. You have to listen carefully. It's a big room. And people are shushing. And the mother is there and she's not leaving. And, you know, this happens in a lot of places. It happens here that there sometimes is a, a difference between what the parents think that their children are doing and what other people think about what their children are doing. Okay, so, you know, but it, this is a situation that comes up in a lot of places. But, but there's a lot of shushing and people are getting upset and the mother was not moving. The, the, the baby is crying and there's tension. And, you know... Uh, you know, people start shushing and they're looking and they're pointing and they're talking and it, it gets, people get annoyed and it gets tense. It gets tense. And there was a lot of tension building up in the room. All of a sudden, from the middle of the crowd, an elderly man stands up and he turns to the audience and he says to them as follows. He says... You all know me. You know that about 70 years ago, I was liberated from Auschwitz. If you would have told me 70 years ago that in 70 years from now, 400 people will be listening to a Torah lecture in a shul on Shabbos about how to apply Torah to everyday life, I would never have believed you. And if you would have told me 70 years ago that there would be a Jewish baby whose mother wants to learn Torah so much that she won't leave the room, I would never have believed you. This, he says, what's happening in this room right now, this is a miracle. It's an incredible story. Because, of course, that changes everything in the room. And that is called framing. Now, framing is the term that we use for how we choose to view something or someone, how we choose to experience it. And framing is based on the truth that it is within our power to choose how we will experience what happens. In almost every circumstance, there is more than one way to experience what is happening. 
And usually there's a way that's negative and usually there's a way that's positive. Very often we think that we're just responding either by being happy or sad, by being um, pleased or upset, simply as a result of responding to the stimulus. But framing teaches us that in almost any situation, in fact, it is up to us to choose which response we will have to whatever stimulus it is, to whatever is happening outside of us. One of the greatest, most profound framers in our history is Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva lived during one of the darkest periods in our history. Just after the destruction of the Beis Amigdash, just after the destruction of Yerushalayim, just after the exile of the Jewish people, which we are still in, still experiencing. But at the time of Rabbi Akiva, especially the Jewish people were demoralized and persecuted. And that frame of reference, that point of view is represented by the other colleagues that Rabbi Akiva is with. They represent, they express this demoralization, this sadness, this very understandable grieving. And Rabbi Akiva's own life was filled with, with, this, with this element. Remember the famous story, Rabbi Akiva died because he was arrested for teaching Torah in public and he was tortured to death and killed by the Romans. Nonetheless, throughout his life, Rabbi Akiva chose to frame what was happening in a positive manner. And that's what is exemplified in this passage. Rabbi Akiva laughed. Now he could have cried like the other rabbis did, which is completely understandable. But Rabbi Akiva chose to frame it in a way that caused him to laugh. And remember, I quoted to you last week, remember the last line of the story. The response of the rabbis when Rabbi Akiva explained why he had laughed and the other rabbis said to him, Akiva nichantanu, Akiva you have comforted us. In other words, the framing of Rabbi Akiva not only changed his outlook, but it was contagious. He was able to change the outlook of the others so that they too could see it in a positive way. That's the power that framing has to change everything. And we should make sure to always, at every moment, exercise that power to choose how to frame what is happening. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person.